You're listening to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. Before we get started, we want to remind you to leave us some feedback for us uh, from wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also email us feedback and episode suggestions at podcast at iishooting.com. And remember, you can also message us on Facebook and Instagram. Just find us at Range Minded Podcast. This is episode 66, where we talk about the concealed carry reciprocity rules around the country, uh, as well as traveling while concealed carrying, and how to transport firearms safely and legally while flying or driving across state lines. Now, one thing to note, neither of us are lawyers or have any legal standing or background, so make sure you do your own research before traveling with any firearms. With that out of the way, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy episode 66 of Range Minded, the do's and don'ts of traveling with a firearm. Hello and welcome to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. My name is Mark Long and I am joined as always by... The one and only me, Steve Zimmerman. The one and only me. Yeah, there is only one of you. Thank goodness. And there's only one of me too. Uh, That's probably a good thing as well. Thank goodness. So... um, Today, we're uh, sticking with uh, education. We did um, education about gun safety a couple episodes ago. We did... uh, everyday carry items and stuff uh, last week. Now this week we're going to talk about um, concealed carry, reciprocity, traveling with a firearm. Uh, we'll probably touch on some uh, ground we've already gone over, but uh, overall- yeah, I think we've, we've talked about this a little bit, but not, I don't think we've ever really talked about it in depth. We've talked about flying with a firearm a little bit and um, that was about it. Um, but we haven't talked about like if you're taking a road trip um, or if you're moving across the country, as some of us have done. Um, so well, this time of year, this time of year, there's a lot of people traveling. Yeah. So it's I think it's it's pertinent and current information. Yeah, I mean, any time between Memorial Day and Labor Day, um, you know, at least if I have those right in my head in the order, <laughs> I can't remember which one comes first. Yeah, I don't need to. All I know is that one of them I'm not supposed to wear white after. Oh, geez, I don't even know that. (laughs) (laughs) It's because I'm such a a fashionista, you know, I just got to keep up with the trends. You are. You know what you're doing. Apparently, my socks have to match my belt and all that. Yeah, it's important. It's it's summer now, so yeah, you got to get with that. So, Speaking of which, Uh this is completely off topic. (laughs) But I am right now lounging in the remote location. Yes. Uh, I'm in my board shorts, my Hawaiian shirt, and I am enjoying a nice cold Italian ice. Really? Oh, yeah. Sounds like you're on vacation. No, I I just got back from a vacation. Does that count? Sure. Maybe you're still in vacation mode. Oh, yeah. I definitely didn't want to work today. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a tough week for everybody with uh, 4th of July being last week if you didn't work and um yeah, that's true. Know. I hope everybody had a good 4th of July like Independence Day or 4th of July. What's the correct term? Cuz there's always a 4th of July, right? Always. That's, that's true. And they even have the 4th of July in um in uh, foreign countries too. Yeah. So, so I should say I, I we, we should probably say Independence Day. Right. U.S. Independence Day on just so happens to be on the 4th of July. Yeah. It's synonymous. I don't think it matters. Yeah. Did you do anything to celebrate? Uh, We went down to St. George. Oh, very cool. Yeah. It was stupid hot. But we we hung out there. We went 
St. George did some fireworks and we'd never gone to St. George and hung out before. Like that was just, we just picked a location, decided just to go for it on a whim and check it out. Yeah. And it was fun. They had a, a big fireworks show at the, at Dixie college and the kids had fun. That's good. But when it's 10 o'clock at night and it's still like 95 degrees, you know, it's warm. Yeah. That's a little toasty warm. I'd probably <laughs> be inside at that point. Yeah, but it was fun. We had a good time. Went to Zion's and oh, very some cool. other places down there. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in Chicago for the 4th of July, so I saw some fireworks. and well, You probably yeah. saw some big fireworks. Yeah, yeah, some big doesn't, fireworks and some celebration. Doesn't Chicago do a big a big to-do? They do, but I, I wasn't in Chicago proper. I was out in the suburbs. Probably safer that way. Uh, yeah, a little bit, which is actually what inspired this episode because when we, I was – you know, thinking about what to bring traveling back into Illinois, I was like, well, I could maybe bring a firearm, but I can't, I don't have a, uh, a FOID card. Those pesky FOID cards. And, uh, so I was like, well, I wonder like if I drove through or like stayed there for, you know, a, a day or two or whatever, like what, what are the rules surrounding that? Or, um, you know, driving down, you know, through Utah or in any of our neighboring states, where do those where do those rules kind of lie? So that's kind of what inspired yeah. this episode, actually. Well, good. I'm glad that you had it come to mind. I know. Well, I think I think it'll be good. We're always thinking about firearms. <laughs> Weirdly enough, yeah. So, um, but let's first talk about uh, concealed carry reciprocity because I think that's the most important part. Um, where. Yeah. Uh, you know, what reciprocity is, is why don't you tell us, Steve? Well, without getting into the dictionary, reciprocity, when concerned with your concealed carry permit, means what other state is reciprocal to that permit. So, for instance, in Idaho, uh, our permits, uh, let's just go with the basic permit, the standard permit is good in, you know, what is that, like 15 states looks like, probably more than that even. Just by glancing at the map, something like that. It just means yeah. other other states that recognize your state's permit is, is reciprocity. Right. So you can carry in that state if if there's a reciprocity agreement, and and if you are from that state, then you can carry in Idaho as well. Yes. Hence the term reciprocity. Reciprocity, but unfortunately, it's reciprocal. It's, a lot of states don't really, you know, agree sometimes. You know, for example, yeah. Sometimes they're just jerks. Yeah, like when Illinois first came out with concealed carry because it was like the forty eighth or forty eighth, forty ninth state to do so or something. Um, it was like the most bare bones, like basic thing, and basically they said, if you, you know, if you have a concealed carry permit for Illinois, it, we are not reciprocated anywhere, and so you can't carry anywhere else, and nobody else with a concealed carry permit across the country can carry here. Yeah. So uh, apparently that's loosened up a little bit now. Um, I guess what they've talked well, about that, is um, having, what do they call it? If the national course material or the, uh, the training is significantly similar than the one in Illinois, then you can get an out of resident permit. But that's actually not nice. even the same as, as reciprocity anyway. So, um, and out of the difference being is that you can get a concealed carry permit for a state in which you do not live, but only if they allow that in that state. Right. So, for example, uh, we as residents of Idaho can get Oregon concealed carry permits, which is nice because. 
the standard and the enhanced are not recognized in Oregon. No. And, and Idaho is kind of interesting because we do have a, a standard and an enhanced license. I don't know if there are any other um, states that do that. Are there? Um, I'm sure there are. I, I can't think of any offhand. And I honestly don't know why Idaho did that. Um, well, understand why they did that, but I don't understand why they made two separate permits, as in the card, the physical permit itself. Right. I don't know. I don't know why they just didn't put like an enhancement on the on the the identification or whatever. But they had to be silly and do two different permits. Yeah, but with an with an enhanced concealed carry from Idaho, you're actually able to carry in forty states, which is awesome. With you know, there's now a few exceptions, obviously, but. Mind you, if you're thinking constitutionally, why do we have to have permission to exercise a right? And I totally get that argument. We're not going to have that argument because it's really just we're singing to the choir, I think, mostly. But yeah. you're right. There should be na- there should be national reciprocity. They've talked about that, and I don't think that bill is going to ever go anywhere. It may, it may not, but I doubt it. But nonetheless, we have permits so we can conceal carry. Yeah. I mean – yeah, we can get into the whole um, federal concealed carry reciprocity act because that's come up quite a few times in the last few years. But uh, yeah, like you said, it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a whole other story for another day, though. I guess about you know why why you need a permit to exercise. I think right. if if we if we really dove into that topic, like it would be a long podcast because I think there's a lot packaged inside that that concept that that i would have to spend some time studying anyways because i don't know the whole the whole you know gist of it all yeah we need to do our homework on that i think there's a lot yeah so another thing is too while we're talking about um concealed carry permits like i'm not an attorney mark's not an attorney we have no no way background yeah this would not be any considered any kind of legal advice or or suggesting to do something that would be breaking any kind of a law so just because we're talking about it and you may or may not be in idaho maybe you're in oregon or washington or utah or whatever make sure you contact your sheriff's office um that you reside in and get more details because i don't know everything in every state yeah, I barely know anything in in our state half the time. So yeah, the it'd laws. Be a good idea. This. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, the laws are so different. It'd be it'd be a good idea to do your own homework and figure out what's best for you because, you know, I, it's not my gunfight and it's it's all up to you. So and we're not carrying your guns. So nope. But. Yeah, you want to make sure you uh, do your research first. I think that's first and foremost before you do any kind of travel, any kind of uh, whether you're concealed carrying or you're moving or just traveling with firearms in your um, in your car. Yeah, because there's a lot to it. Like as I was going through some of my my material here on my end, um, like Oregon for ex- for instance, if you're a resident of Oregon and you have a concealed carry permit, that does not cover knives or batons or tasers that permit is strictly for your firearm really where well, at least that's what it said in uh, on my information here whereas idaho our permit covers any kind of weapon for defense a concealed carry permit from idaho can yeah knives uh, firearms pepper spray tasers it, it actually spells it out i think in the actual law which is important because that could put you in some sort of jeopardy if you had to use 
a baseball bat or something that whatever you chose to carry right. and use that in defense. And that's one thing. And you will go to That's court. one thing, too, is that uh, usually in situations like these, ignorance of the law is not really a defense. No. And I would not rely no, on that. that. That does not help you. So just uh and that's why that's why i made that disclaimer about us not being attorneys or or having a, a real litigious background is um you're responsible for your safety your family's safety <laughs> excuse me and with that responsibility um comes the repercussions of any kind of legal recourse that's just the way it is 100% i mean you can't yeah we're not lawyers and you know you have to do what you feel is responsible and uh, do your own research as well. But we want to give you at least some some places to start looking, you know, to figure out, you know, what you're comfortable with and, and what uh, what legal standing you're in. Yeah. And that's I guess this is kind of it's kind of in the weeds, but kind of not too. is is what just came to mind is that's um, that's why there's so much responsibility as, as a firearms owner and a concealed carrier is a lot of people just think oh well i'll buy a gun and i'll carry it but they never think about the recourse of using it and though you may have a permit that permit isn't uh, a license to shoot somebody it's and and honestly the firearm or whatever tool implement you're using for your defense should be the last line you should find a, a way to escape or or hide or whatever first and we've talked about that before where it's the last line of defense it's literally the last resort yeah and it shouldn't really be any other way or else not only are you going to find yourself in a lot of hot water, but you got to live with that, you know, for the rest of your life if you have to pull that trigger or rather you could have done something else instead of pull that trigger. Yeah. And and the whole responsibility part, too. I mean, there's stories out there where uh, people who thought they were doing the right thing by, you know, by holding a, a bad guy at gunpoint till the cops arrived end up becoming a victim of another concealed carry holder because they have a gun and they're pointing it at somebody. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or even the police. Yeah. So like a lot of innocent people have, have become victims just because they haven't thought things through. And, and that's, that's why I said you need to spend time really thinking about if what's the best option and then speaking to um, somebody who understands the laws in your state to where you can get a real basis to carry. That's why training is so important because, you know, you every state's different. And even you could argue that every municipality is different to a degree, depending on where you're at. And so you have to do that research and talk to somebody or, um, you know, we do have some resources that we can point you to. Like um, the USCCA is a great resource. We're a big fan of them. And we both found the uh, interactive concealed carry reciprocity map and gun laws. And it is awesome. It's great. You just click on your state and it'll tell you everything you need to know. Uh, and it, interesting, it had um, some, what's the word? Interesting stats as well. Um, that 7%. Oh, yeah, down there a little bit. Yeah, 7% of Idaho residents uh, have a concealed carry permit. Uh, Don't you think that's a little low? Yeah. Like, I, that, that surprised me. You'd think that would be higher in the state of Idaho. You would think so. Maybe more like 10, maybe more. I would have figured even more than 10%. I wonder if that's changed with uh, constitutional carry. There, there, I guarantee there's more people than 7% carrying a gun in Idaho. Oh, I would agree. Well, that's just permitted individuals. Right, because con- constitutional carry is going to be a whole nother, whole nother ball game. And we should probably say that um, 
constitutional carry is also known as permitless carry, uh, which is where as long as you are not a prohibited person, then you are able to carry uh, a gun legally without a concealed carry permit. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's actually seems that trend seems to be growing in more states. Uh, Missouri, I believe, was the last one to adopt permitless carry. And that was just within the last couple of weeks. Yeah, very, very recent. I think July 1st was when that turned over to permitless carry. Awesome. Um, But Arizona, uh, Alaska, Kansas, South Dakota, Missouri, Arkansas, Mississippi, Kentucky, West Virginia, uh, both Vermont and New Hampshire and Maine, believe it or not. Don't you think that's amazing that New Hampshire and Vermont are considered constitutional carry states? One of them surprises me. The other one doesn't. And I can't remember which one it is. I think it's Vermont actually has a pretty, not lax, but a pretty good sense of gun laws. Um, it's odd for a Northeastern state like that, because if you look at the map and I'm just on the Idaho concealed carry reciprocity, New York, Massachusetts, Delaware, Rhode Island, New Jersey, Connecticut, all of those states do not recognize Idaho's permit. Yeah. And, and they're all democratically led, which I know that's a little too political, but it, it seems like there are certain parties that are okay with more gun laws. It's an interesting correlation, but then, you know, you look at Maine and Vermont and New Hampshire, and those are traditionally more blue states, I would think. And, uh, they're, they're pretty good on gun laws. I any in that, anything up in that new new England area, I'm really surprised to see, um, gun friendly laws. Me too, but Hey, we'll take it. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you can carry in, uh, looks like 40 states, including Idaho. Um, and that, that is all spelled out at the U.S. Concealed Carry, uh, dot com reciprocity map. And yeah, you can click on, you know, any of, any of the states and see what, you know, is what's, um, you know, what the laws are. If your permit is, um, you know, honored in that state. And and what's interesting is I'm just glad that in Idaho, you know, we could travel pretty much anywhere except for a few states without any problems and, and carry without any problems, yeah. which include uh, Colorado and uh, Washington, you know, states that you may not necessarily think as uh, states that would allow that. Yeah. It's kind of sad that like looking at the Idaho reciprocity map on there, that California and Illinois which I know you're partial to one of those states is uh, it's a pretty violent state. Like there's violence everywhere, obviously, but it seems like there's more, you know, a denser population where there's more violent crime happening. And those states um, just create victims because people aren't on. Right. And yeah, you look at California, Illinois, New York, densely populated areas. And maybe they think that because there's so many people that there's more chance of something bad happening. But at the same time, you know, there's been a lot of evidence from Illinois that ever since concealed carry was enacted and allowed that, um, you know, there's people have been able to defend themselves. Vic, Vic, yeah, I would Victim argue hood went down or at least you hear news stories about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause it, it makes sense, right. To the, I, I guess the more conservative minded person that, People that can defend themselves are less likely to become victims. It, it seems common sense. I mean, look at look at the look at nature, right? <laughs> Porcupines don't often get attacked, right? They have a defense because they're prickly. But deer get eaten by everybody. So, 
But I will argue, though, as long as there are people that have the training. Yeah, and that is a big thing. And that was my struggle. And I know we've talked about this before with constitutional carry was there's a a cowboy mentality that that I saw. Like there were people coming into the shop that that just felt, well, I can carry a gun now, so I'm going to buy a gun without any desire to actually learn the laws, which makes me nervous. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good thing on one hand because it gives people that more, you know, more of the freedom to do that and and I think causes less trouble. Like get, you know, people get into trouble unwittingly if they're a lot, you know, without permitless carry. But at the same time, it does make more there are more people who aren't trained carrying, I guess, you know. So it is a big double-edged sword. Yeah. But I would rather have good, honest people with firearms than all the bad guys having them. So I'm still cool with it. An armed society is a polite society. So they say. So they say. But yeah, um, the be- the first thing to do, I guess, if you're going to travel is just to do your research. Um, USConcealedCarry.com. Um, another thing I found that I actually didn't know about was um, the Firearm Owners Protection Act in 1986, which also banned machine, you know, the, the manufacture of new machine guns. It also protected firearm owners traveling interstate. But there are still states that that have restrictions. There are states that have restrictions, but if you're traveling through the state, you know, that has restrictions and you are um, just passing through, you're not staying overnight um, or anything like that and just making short stops and you're not breaking any laws and you're not a prohibited person, you are able to carry not not concealed and not on a person, but in the 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 vehicle. So if let's say you're moving cross country, you're able to pass through those States without real, any issues. I mean, obviously you don't want to speed and give anybody a reason to pull you over, but (laughs) um, you know, you can kind of rest a little bit easier. And I, I would uh, have, I would suggest looking into that, uh, those provisions in the firearm owner protection act. I was kind of interested that found that was interesting um, in that 1986 law. Yeah, like we said earlier, is is ignorance does not protect you, um, and that's why I said spend some time. If you're going, so like a friend of mine decided he was going to go to Glacier, and he was he was telling me yesterday that that he was he's carrying a gun. Obviously, in Glacier, there's lots of four legged mean animals right. up there when they're going to be hiking as, as a family, and so he's like, "You're going to be so proud of me. I'm I'm taking a, a firearm with me and." It's like, good on you, man. And he's like, am I okay to carry? He's like, you have a permit, don't you? He's like, yeah, this is, and you should be good, but you need to, don't take my yeah, word for it. you're not a lawyer. If you're going to go to, and that's the other thing too is, is, um, because well, Glacier's a national park. Can you carry a firearm in a national park with a permit? And the answer is yes, but you cannot go into a federal building. So say in Yellowstone, you can go check out Old Faithful, but the minute you walk into the gift shop, you're in violation of the law. You're breaking the law. I wonder if that even applies to the bathrooms. <laughs> and it says any any building, and that's considered a federal building. So you got to pee outside. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure they won't mind. But that's where that's where the you need to know your laws. You know, um, if you don't, you could, you know, get into some serious hot water. So you got to really do your research there. And that's the thing is, um, you know, there are a lot of states where people can conceal carry, but there's a lot of buildings that you can't. Obviously, federal buildings is a big one. But back in Illinois, you can't carry on any mass transit, which means no bus, no CTA, no. Oh, that's um, frustrating. Train. So but and if you you maybe you have to take the train or you have to take a bus or something in a, in a different circumstance, you're violating the law. Uh, see what they did there. You just have to walk everywhere now. Yeah. And um, they even said something about parks where if you are going to like hang out at a park, I think it was like a, a public park. You can't carry in there, but you can only, you can carry if you're just passing through, but how ambiguous is that? Yeah. I could have been passing through the park, but I just took my time. <laughs> or you stopped and, and rested. <laughs> yeah, for your four hours playing Frisbee. Yeah, no big deal. So um, let's shift gears over to flying, though, because obviously um, flying is going to be, I think, relatively easier, I think, traveling with a firearm because it's a little Actually, more cut and dry. I thought about something before we go to flying. Yeah. What about your suppressors? What about suppressors? Mm-hmm. Do you know this? Do you know this law or this 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 little tidbit? I feel like you're going to tell me. <laughs> so, <laughs> say I decided I was going to go hunting pigs in Texas, and I'm going to drive to Texas. Okay. I I have to notify each one of those sheriffs that I'm going through those counties with my suppressor. Every single county. That's the way I understand it. Wow. I definitely, I definitely have to notify the, the county sheriff in whatever county I would be in Texas that I'm bringing my suppressors. Because NFA rules, you have to – I knew about the NFA rules, and that's that's something that's important to think about too is uh, if you are transporting any NFA goods, you have to notify basically everybody. Uh, because mm -hmm. those crossing state lines without any notification of the ATF or the county sheriffs or whatever is actually quite illegal. Yeah. Even if it's yours, you have the stamp, whatever, it doesn't matter. Now, within your state, you're fine. I don't have to tell somebody up in Coeur d'Alene that I'm going to take my cans up there. I'm in the state. It doesn't matter. Right. But as soon as, as, soon as I cross state lines, I have to notify uh, officials what I'm doing. Yeah, and you also want to be aware that there are some states that don't allow you to own NFA items at all. Yeah, even if they're yours and you're just visiting. Right, or even passing through, I would think. That's stupid. So, that's it's it just kind of goes yeah, to show I'm not quite sure about how that works, but it just kind of goes to show how patchwork the gun laws really are and how it's really the onus is on the gun owners to do their research. And people think that the guns are just willy-nilly not regulated. Right, and we can just take them wherever we want and do anything and no big deal. Yeah, I wish. I wish. <laughs> but actually, fun hey, point here's about a, here's a, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, fun point about that, though, is that they've done research on, you know, the behaviors and crime behaviors of concealed carriers, and it has been shown that concealed carriers are more law-abiding and less, um, you know, less have a less propensity to commit crime than anybody else, than, than a non-concealed well, carrier. That's weird. Do you mean they're responsible citizens? Yeah, law-abiding gun owners. Wow. 
I know it's crazy. It's almost like it defies all logic. That's crazy talk. I have another question for you before we, get into, before we get into flying. Can I carry a gun in a bar? It depends on your state. So, because some places will allow you to carry in a restaurant um, that serves alcohol. Some will not will let you carry in a bar. Some will not let you carry in a bar. Uh, it depends. So what about the state of Idaho? Can I carry a concealed firearm in the state of Idaho to a bar? You can, but you cannot drink. Very good. That is correct. <laughs> you have to have a, uh, you have to blow a zero zero if you are carrying a firearm at any time in the state of Idaho. So one beer can get you in trouble. That'll do it. Yeah. But you really shouldn't. We've talked about how alcohol and guns don't mix anyway. Yeah. Bad idea. Kind of a no brainer there. So now even can we get the, the fly? <laughs> even, even on the 4th of July? Even on the most American of holidays, doesn't mix. <laughs> All I'm right, sure so everybody's don't seen, drink while... Everybody's seen who? Everybody's probably seen videos of people shooting off guns on the 4th of July or from other countries and how well that ends up. Yeah. While, while intoxicated. Right, whether maybe at a wedding somewhere in the Middle East... <laughs> And he gets shot in the belly. Is that yeah, the one? People die. Oh to, yeah. Not to make it serious, but people die. Well, that's weird. It's like firearm safety or something. No, maybe we should go back and listen to our own episode. <laughs> not right now. No, no, we're busy. Hey, let's but, let's talk about flying. So fly. Obviously, I think you know <laughs> you might do some more. You might do flying uh, with a firearm. I think it's a little more straightforward because the TSA spells it out, and you know you're checking a bag. It's going in the plane. You don't have to worry about going through states that, uh, you know, may have stricter gun laws than where you're enjoying, you know, your your gun rights now. Um, but you still want to check, you know, the state that you're going to to make sure that you're not going to be breaking any laws there. Yes. So you can go to the Transportation Security Administration website and uh, they pretty much spell it out for you, which I was actually pleasantly surprised about. We've talked about it before, but we'll go over it again. Um, obviously, you can't carry a firearm in your checked bag or your personal item. It has to go into a checked bag. Um, which yeah. which in this year, did you hear that report this year in Idaho? They found 11 firearms in carry-on baggage. That's actually surprisingly low. I'm surprised it wasn't more. That's crazy. Two two last week. <laughs> okay. Well, that that's maybe a little more surprising, but... One in Boise and one in the Idaho Falls Airport. Somebody I know, actually, um, they brought their... She brought her purse with her and forgot that there was a, an empty magazine in like a, the side of her purse and put it through the scanner and they all freaked out and she had to surrender her, her magazine. No, oh, that's so dumb. But that's, I mean, we talked about that, I think, in Everyday Carry about how you have to know where your things are at all times. You know, that's firearms, ammunition, magazines, accessories. It's good stuff to know where that's at. Didn't I tell you the story about a friend of mine who's a firearms rep that went to get on the plane and didn't even think about it and threw his gun in his carry-on? Yeah, and he had to sit there and uh, <laughs> explain what his profession was, and that was pretty much the only reason he got away with it. Yeah, he had his, like... Obviously, anybody could say, "Well, I'm a well, well, well." He had proof, and he had his he had his FFL and everything, and they understood. And luckily, it was in his home state to where his wife was able to go and get, pick up the firearm. And but if that's if that was in a different state, he would have been up a creek real fast, probably. 
So, but yeah, the uh, the TSA does spell it out pretty well. Uh, checked baggage, uh, unloaded, locked in a hard sided container. It has to be locked. Um, you know, you can you have the key to it. Um, you know, you can take it apart. You can put. Actually, they do even say that ammo can be carried in the same. Has to be in the original box, though. Original box, but it can be in the same uh, locked case as your firearm, as long as the firearm is unloaded. Yes. And fun fact, rifle scopes are permitted in carry-on and checked baggage. So if you're worried about any optics. <laughs> maybe, not inter- maybe not international flights, though. I Yeah, I doubt it. There's probably an ITAR thing that has to do yeah. that permit, uh, prohibits that. Now, it's important to understand, too, though the 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 TSA has their minimum standards airlines can can deviate as long as they're more strict than what the 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 government has as far as how to pack a gun so some airlines might be worse than others to travel so make sure you get on their website and look about carrying a firearm or yeah you want to do your research there i think that's what ricky ran into uh, the problem that he ran into when he, from idaho to Texas, he was able to carry ammunition in the same container as his firearm, but then on the way back, he had to surrender it because I think that airline prohibited carrying the ammo in the same container. Yeah. So again, just like we talked about in the beginning episode, do your homework. Make sure that you get everything squared away because it's at, at the minimum, it's embarrassing to be the person that gets talked to by, by TSA. And at the maximum, it could be you know, expensive. Yeah. You could be or expensive or you could be spending some time behind bars. Yeah. So, so, and it, and if you are transporting or flying with a firearm, just pay really close attention that you're not doing something stupid. You don't carry that magazine in your pocket by accident or whatever. Just be really thorough with what you're doing. Yeah. Go through your bag, you know, the night or the day before you leave and make sure that everything's out of it. Um, I would even go so far as to in that unlock or that locked container, I would take apart firearms, you know, remove the slide and the barrel and the, and if it's a handgun or take the bolt out and and put it next to, you know, just to, just to be more cautious, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. That makes sense. Just to be safe. And, um, so when I moved from, and going back to driving a little bit, when I moved from Illinois to Idaho, um, I took apart pretty much all of my guns as far down as I could, basically all field stripped, and then put them in locked containers and threw them in the trunk. And that was how I brought them here. Nice. And I had to do my research to say, okay, going from Illinois to Iowa to South Dakota to Wyoming, going through Grand Teton National Park, stopping at uh, Mount Rushmore and going through Wyoming and then finally into Idaho, what the rules were. Yeah, it's a big deal. That was one of the many things that I had to do moving cross country. But that happens. And I think it happens more often now as people get jobs in different different parts of the country. And, you know, there's more jobs available and you have to know you know, not only the rules where you're going, where your destination is, but all in between. Yeah. And I would say yeah, the, same, the same rules with driving, you know, kind of apply that, apply the rules of flying to with driving, take everything apart, separate the ammo. Um, I just shot all the ammo I had before I left Illinois. That was easy. <laughs> and, um, 
take everything apart, put everything in locked boxes, put it in your trunk and go from there. You really can't. I don't think you can go wrong with that. Again, we're not lawyers, but if I had to move somewhere cross country, that's what I would do. Yeah. And, but now something that I would do is, is if those States that I was driving through recognized my permit, I'm still going to have something on me, but the rest of the stuff I might take apart. Sure. And I, you know, obviously coming from Illinois and having an Illinois permit, no other States recognize that permit. So that was pretty easy for me, but now going to, you know, driving to another state out of Idaho, I have a little bit more freedom to, to exercise that right. So America, do you uh, carry in other States? Have you done that? Yes, I carry as often and as, as, as many States recognize my stuff. Now I don't have my enhanced permit. So I, when, when I went down to, to St. George this last week, uh, right. we popped into, we popped into Arizona. So I had to leave my gun at the hotel. Right. Um, even though I was in the middle of the desert, I doubt there would have been any problems. Um, and we were only a mile or two inside of the state of Arizona. I decided it wasn't worth it. And, and I just left stuff home. Yeah. Better safe than sorry in that regard. And there was a couple of years ago uh, when I was driving to Arizona and I was, you know, debating whether or not to carry on the way there. And, you know, Utah would have been fine. Uh, drove through Nevada a little bit. That would have been fine as far as my research went. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Arizona, you can't uh, without an enhanced concealed carry permit. So, which right. actually, fun story, <laughs> I just submitted my paperwork for that today. I really need to do it. Like I've just been kind of lazy about it. And next year my regular permit expires, so I might as well just get it taken care of. Oh yeah, while you're there. Uh yeah. I just need to come over and take a class. That's, That's all, all you gotta, gotta do, do is take a class. Um and you can do that at independence indoor shooting. So I I mean the standard, you know, I think the standard concealed carry permit does just fine for probably ninety percent of people, um, if they're not traveling. And they don't want to carry. But if you want yeah. to have the, you know, the maximum amount of freedom to carry wherever, uh, I think it's worth getting the enhanced. Um, you know, you have to take a little bit more training, like you said. Um, and, I, you know, it was interesting to me going through that process today. I had to get I have my my standard concealed carry permit, but I had to get re-fingerprinted. You have to go through another background check and I will get a response in 30 days. What was your what was your fee? Because you went through Ada County, right? Sure did. And I think it varies from county to county, right? It does. Yeah. That's one thing that kind of bugs me about Idaho is it's not standardized across the state. Yeah, it's different. But the DMV fees, I think, are the same that way too. Yeah. Which is like, for example, Teton County in Idaho, which is, which borders Wyoming, the enhanced permit is like $120. Really? Mine was only 56. Yeah. Which is nothing compared by comparison. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. I think it should be a standardized fee. But you know what was something interesting uh, that happened today when I – because I you used to have to go to the county sheriff's office, and I think that's in most counties in Idaho, that's where you have to go. They recently combined the DMV, the Ada County DM, like main office with the Ada County Sheriff for concealed weapons permits. So I had to go to the DMV. I had to – Somebody had to ask me what I was, you know, there for and had to tell them the enhanced concealed carry. They have their own little corner and the fingerprint machine, which is all digital, is right in front of all the chairs. So there's like 100, 120 people sitting on these chairs (laughs) waiting. And this woman, 
you know, calls me up and says, okay, let's, you know, fingerprint you after filling out all the paperwork or whatever. And literally everybody's watching me get fingerprinted. I'm like, this is weird, but okay. Did you start singing the Star Spangled Banner while you're doing it? I probably should have brought my little American flag and started waving it. So, and I mean, the good thing is this is Idaho, so nobody really cares, but I thought that was interesting that they just, they have the fingerprint machine right there. It's like, I wonder what people are thinking. Not that I cared, but I was just kind of curious, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun, but you're getting so many more people now from out of state that are moving in that there might've been somebody like, Whoa, what just happened to him? Why is he, why is he doing that? Yeah. Is he a criminal? I actually, so I was dressed in like a black t-shirt and dark jeans. And I was like, just hoping that everybody would think that like, Oh, he's, he's probably, you know, like security or something. He looks like a badass. <laughs> Which it is not how I look at all. No, that's true. You do not. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm like the <laughs> least toughest looking person in the world. So, but yeah, I was well, just, it was just, it was an interesting experience. I mean, getting fingerprinted is, is kind of standard operating procedure for a lot of concealed carry applications. Even the standard one here is, uh, you need to get fingerprinted for that, but, um, it's, it's a unique experience if you've never done it before. Yeah. It is kind of frustrating, um, but you know it's 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 worth it. You know to be able to to carry concealed and know that you have that uh, that option to defend yourself. And now you know getting the enhanced, you know, and looking at that map, you know, being able to go almost anywhere in the country without any issues is uh, is comforting to know. Hopefully, they can get it figured out. Yeah, well, actually, so there have we talked about it a little bit. We can bring it up again. Is the uh, you know kind of a federal reciprocity that's been brought up quite a few times. Uh, most recently, uh, was brought up at the beginning of this year. Um, it was HR thirty eight, the Concealed Carry Reciprocity Act of twenty nineteen. I don't think it went anywhere. But yeah, I don't. I don't think it did either. I think it. I think it comes up in every. In every single like Congress, every, every con- congressional or Senate session, something comes up. And believe it or not, if I remember correctly, um, I think it was before the Las Vegas shooting that was on the table and it was moving along. The day before it was the, the, the day after the Las Vegas shooting, that and the Hearing Protection Act, I think we're supposed to be uh, we're supposed to be read or heard or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And neither of those happened after that. I mean, it was, it was, it's tragedy, of course. Um, but it's just sad that that those had to go by the wayside. I don't want to trivialize, you know, the loss and all that. I mean, obviously that is horrible in, in any kind of loss of life to a firearm is, is devastating, but it was just kind of interesting that it, it was unfortunate. The timing, the timing was unfortunate. Because yeah, Well, but, and that's, that's the argument a lot of people make is that, concealed carry permits should be treated like driver's licenses because driver's licenses are reciprocated all over the country. You can drive, you know, if you have an Idaho driver's license, you can drive all over the country. You can drive in Hawaii, you can drive in Alaska, you can drive in Guam, any U.S. territory you can drive in. So why, you know, is is concealed carry permits treated? Why are they treated differently? Yeah, it's so frustrating. Because like I said, the, on- the onus is on the gun owner to to figure it out. And I mean, I think most of us are pretty responsible individuals and we are willing to do the research to make sure we're compliant with la- any kind of laws that we, we roll through. But still, I mean, that it's not driving isn't the same way, you know? 
Yeah. And driving is a privilege, not a right. Exactly. You have to get a license for it. <laughs> Even though, you know, and yeah. that, like I said, that's kind of going into, into, um, you know, the weeds on the that political one and stuff. Yeah. So, but, um, we talked about out of, out of, out of, I'm sorry. We talked about non-resident concealed carry permits. There are some states that you can get a non-resident permit. Like we said, Oregon is one. Um, and there's a few others. Idaho, Idaho, Idaho is, is one. one. So, so you yeah. can kind of, I guess to put it one way, you can collect concealed carry permits so you can, you know, carry in as many states as you need to. But I think at least with the way the laws are going, I, I think eventually we're going to see national reciprocity at some point. I hope so. And I think, I think unfortunately we're going to see a lot of crazy stuff happening right before the election or up to the election. And uh, obviously that could change some stuff too in 2020. Yeah. Um, but it would sure be nice to see some, some positive stuff as far as gun laws are concerned happen. Maybe we can all come together around gun laws. <laughs> Yeah, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, but see, each state is different. It's just like, I mean, just like with driving, there there are different rules in different states. Like, um, you know, radar detectors are actually illegal in Michigan. Do you know that? Mm-mm. Yeah, they're legal pretty much everywhere else except for Michigan. You can't have a radar detector. They'll take it out and smash it. So I've been told. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Um, you got to do your research on that stuff because obviously if you're, you know, my philosophy is if you're going to protect yourself while you're in the state and, and, and make that choice, if you can do it in another state while you're traveling, you should make that choice as well, as long as you're following the rules of it. Yeah. And it really should be allowed. I think you're right. There should be, there should be a, a national reciprocity or some, at some extent, some way to defend ourselves. Cause it is kind of silly that, that I have to worry about state lines to be a victim or well, not. And what know. makes Illinois interesting is that you have to have a FOID card to not only own a firearm, but to purchase ammo. So you're, you know, the argument there is that you're not permitting out of state visitors and tourists and stuff to protect themselves in your state. Yeah. Cause they, they can't buy any ammo. Yeah. And if, if it gets confiscated uh, by the, the airlines, you know, and you can't, you know, let's say you're staying there for a week, you know, like I, I just got back from, I couldn't, I couldn't bring a firearm with me. Yeah. And what happens if like, say your family gave you some ammunition, is that, is that a violation of state law? I believe so, because I'm not a, uh, I don't have a firearm owner's ID card. That's and, crazy. um, well, you know, it was actually, this is another interesting story is uh, last time I was there during the holidays, I wanted to go to a gun shop and rent a rent a firearm and I would have had to go with somebody who has a, a FOID card. I can't go rent a firearm in Illinois. Because of the ammunition. Right. I can't buy the ammunition, but I can't even rent the gun. I don't even think oh, you, most firearm shops would let you even handle a firearm, believe it or not. Oh, that's ass. Because I remember, you know, going gun shopping in Illinois and if you wanted to handle something, then you had to show your FOID card. That is ass. So drive just around Illinois. You're not really missing much. Yeah, I just take a detour. <laughs> so that's kind of traveling in a nutshell. Is there anything else that you wanted to to, uh, to add to that? Um, I don't know. I guess something that's kind of interesting for for people to think about too is Idaho just did the the eighteen year old concealed carry um 
which there's been a lot of stink on the news about, but 18 year old, you could open carry as an 18 year old outside of city limits mm-hmm. always. But what that, what, what that bill allowed is, is to conceal carry now. And, uh, the, the, there's so much BS about it. It's, it's an interesting thing. And I think it's a good thing. Um, cause if, if, you know, if you're out there hunting with your buddies and your jacket just barely covers your, your sidearm, well, that's considered concealed. And then suddenly some kid becomes a felon because something stupid where he could open carry the whole time. So it's a good thing. Yeah. It just protects people who I think are already following the law and you just run into, like you said, a jacket or maybe you, you put a jacket on, you're not even thinking about it. Um, you know, and- yeah. Cause partially, partially concealed is yeah, concealed. And it's just that small little difference between open and concealed. Um, so being able to to have a little bit more flexibility there, I think, is a good thing for for Idaho gun owners. Yeah, it, it keeps Idaho safer, and it keeps it keeps kids that aren't trying to break the law from becoming felons, potential felons. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it promotes responsible gun ownership. I think. Yeah. So you know, if you we've talked about it starting, you know, if you're 18, you're an adult for the most part, and you're able to to vote and carry a firearm. So you you know you should be granted the the freedom to do that open or concealed however you want. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think that are listening to us? Do you think it's a silly law and 18-year-olds shouldn't be allowed to conceal carry or you think it's a good thing? What are your thoughts? Yeah, let us know. Uh, Maybe share some stories of traveling or flying with a firearm, uh, you know, or uh, any uh, CCW reciprocity stories that you may have. You can email us, podcast at iishooting.com, or you can uh, message us on Facebook and Instagram at uh, Range Minded Podcast and, and let us know. Yeah. And if there's something else you want to talk about us, let us know too. Yeah. We're always around. Yeah. And and we will have some guests coming up too. We're going to, we have a few guests lined up. I think will be some interesting shows in the next two or three weeks. So. Yeah. You've got a lot of Steve and me and I, I hope you've enjoyed that. Um, you know, but we're going to be bringing some some fresh voices onto the podcast as well. Some new perspectives, some new folks at the shop. Uh, well, not new folks, but new folks on the podcast that work at Independence and uh, some folks who don't as well. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll close on that. And uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Right on. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Range Minded. Find us online at Range Minded Podcast on Facebook or send us an email at podcast at iishooting.com. We're always happy to get feedback, episode suggestions, whatever you want to send us, really. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.